all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hey, welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, and I'm here to answer any questions that you want to ask as best I can about things of a medical nature. So give us a call at one 672 7464 and we'd love to talk to you about whatever's on your mind and it seems that uh, the medical news just keeps pouring out every week uh, before the show uh, I usually take a look at what's uh, the latest and greatest and of course uh, the things that seem to be of most interest are the things that are most common and that's where most of the research dollars go and most of the information comes out I've tried to keep you up to date on the prostate issue, prostate cancer screening, and prostate uh, hypertrophy symptom treatment. And a new study has come out on the screening with the PSA test. You know, there's first we told everybody you should be screened yearly if you were a man, especially if you had risk factors. And then we told uh, folks, forget it, and now we're telling folks, well, maybe you ought to be screened. Well, the latest, the latest and greatest paper says, well, people who are screened and have early uh, detection of their um, prostate cancer don't live any longer than people who uh, aren't screened and have it found later and end up having a lot more tests, but there may be uh, a small increase in longevity in some of those people. It's just barely statistically uh, significant. So I don't know that we're any different than we where we have been. Um, by the way, we have open lines. This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, your doc in the box, and I'd love to hear from you about any kind of problems or questions you want to talk about today. On medical issues, we're happy to help. one 672 Please try to get in early because the later you wait, the busier it gets. Um, or you can send us an email at southernremedy.mpbonline.org. Uh, so uh, what, what do I tell people uh, with uh, prostate issues? Uh, and usually they come to the clinic with symptoms of an enlarged prostate uh, rather than symptoms of prostate cancer, and, um, and or they come after uh, they have had PSA screening and have an elevation of PSA screening asking, what does this mean and should I see a urologist to get a biopsy? And... The answer to the, the approach that I have been using and recommending to people 
although I give them their disc- the discretion, is for men who have a family history of prostate cancer or are African-American, especially because there's an increased risk of prostate cancer in African-Americans and have a, a history uh, of prostate cancer for sure, I am still suggesting annual digital rectal exams and the PSA. It's the combination of the two that are most informative uh, in figuring out what's going on. And in people who have uh, strong family histories, I get the urologist to help and as to whether or not we need to do a biopsy. And then I usually talk to the people about what the urologist has told me and and try to help them walk through that. Because there are data now that uh, certain prostate cancers really don't need any treatment. They just need observation. But usually you have to get a biopsy and determine what grade cancer that is to make that decision. So most of the people who are on watchful waiting now uh, have had a biopsy, but some of the older folks uh, over 65 and especially older choose not to do anything and just watch uh, for complications. So it is continues to be a very, very uh, complex decision-making uh, process. Fortunately, breast cancer screening is a little bit easier now, and uh, the, the only issue is who's going to pay for what when. And uh, so we, we still recommend that women get breast cancer screening, especially if they're older, <clears throat> but 10 years before a first-degree relative had cancer, no matter what uh, the story, uh, what the age is. So there you go. That's the latest and greatest on that. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo waiting for your call, uh, Lone and Lonely, right here at, in Jackson. Uh, waiting to hear from Fairhope and uh, South Mississippi and North Mississippi and the planet Venus, wherever you are, give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and we will talk about your uh, your question. Uh, I got an email here that uh, is about the opioid epidemic. And uh, everybody is concerned about what to do for pain. What are you doing for pain now that nobody will give you opioids? Well, the fact is is that people will give you opioids if you really need them. But the controlled trials comparing the usual opioids like codone, low-dose codone, and codeine, uh, suggests that they're not a lot better than some of the non-steroidals or the uh, drugs like tramadol, which is also a controlled substance, but which is much less addictive. Now, we're being careful about tramadol because some people seem to have problems with that one. But for people with chronic pain, what we're trying to do now is use alternative pain management methods. And this includes physical therapy, which can be very helpful, biofeedback, self-hypnosis, and topical pain medicines, of which capsaicin uh, and uh, the uh, topical non-steroidal diclofenac can be very, very uh, helpful. So if you're, you're having any questions about that, give me a call. It looks like 
We're beginning to get a few calls, so let's go. And, and we want to take your call, so don't forget us. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to Hattiesburg. Hey, Tim. Good morning. What's happening? Well, you opened the show with changing weather and joints hurting. Uh, I'm 64, and apparently I always used to sleep with my hand kind of balled up in the fist. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, I found that in the morning my fingers didn't want to straighten back out. That kind of they kind of pop out. You know, no noise, but just pop out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And now, now it's, it's continuing, and and my knees are starting to hurt. I was wondering if there's any herbal or anything uh, uh, medical, medicinal that I can take to help all the joints in my whole body. Apparently, I'm getting uh, arthritis. Through okay, well, let me let me just sort of give you a little bit of background that real quick. There's two kinds of arthritis. And most of the um, serious kinds of arthritis involve the hands at one time or the other. Rheumatoid arthritis is the primary uh, inflammatory arthritis, and osteoarthritis is a non-inflammatory arthritis. Now, the the inflammatory forms of arthritis like uh, rheumatoid arthritis are the ones that lead to severe deformities and we actually have a whole portfolio of medication, uh, new medications, biologic medications that just knock knock that in the head, and uh, it's a new world out there for people with inflammatory arthritis. Osteoarthritis is a different issue. Uh, we don't really have anything that works for this. Chondroitin sulfate doesn't work. Uh, nutraceuticals don't work. Diets don't work. Exercise helps. Uh, but the big thing, the big point I'm trying to make here is to determine which kind do you have. Osteoarthritis causes morning stiffness like you're having in your hands, but lasts only a short period of time, whereas rheumatoid arthritis tends to last much longer. So 30 minutes or less is the usual story for osteoarthritis. Usually you can work that out. It usually gets better with exercise whereas the inflammatory arthritis usually get worse. And uh, so more likely, since you have a large and small joint uh, arthritis in your hands and knees, you have osteoarthritis. Uh, Osteoarthritis is not associated with hot, swollen joints unless you have coexistent problems like gout. And we are having an epidemic of gout Gout usually shows up because everybody's overweight and their uric acid's up. And that usually shows up first as a single joint. Usually your great toe gets hot and red and tender and hurts like you know what. But it can show up in the fingers, unusually, or in the knees, usually one, almost never bilaterally. And what you're saying is you're having, you're having bilateral hand stiffness. And the joints that are involved in your hands... I know you're driving, so don't look at your hands too closely. But the knuckle joints are rarely ever involved in osteoarthritis. It's usually the last joint near your fingernail is the one that is the worst. And then the middle joint uh, is so is called the proximal MPC joint, the proximal metacarpal phalangeal joint. Uh, uh, and uh, that those two distal, the two... The two, the one by your fingernail, the one next to that are usually the ones that are affected most commonly with osteoarthritis. 
So if you have osteoarthritis, and that's what it sounds like, the best thing to do is to see if you tolerate Tylenol, and that helps. Now, you can take up to two grams of Tylenol a day uh, as long as you're not a heavy drinker and, and have really no problems with it. The problem is it's short-acting. And what really works for osteoarthritis is naproxen, also known as Aleve, that has a half-life of 12 hours. So that would be the one I would recommend that you try as needed. Now, if you have to use it more than three times a week, you need to take a stomach protector. And if you have high blood pressure, you have to make sure it doesn't uh, jack your uh, blood pressure up. But for as-needed basis, a lot of our patients will take an Aleve uh, either at night or in the middle of the night when they get up to go urinate, and that will make them not so stiff in the morning. And uh, another thing that's helpful for that is going directly from the bed to the shower and taking a warm shower. So that's a little bit, uh, Tim, I hope that's helpful, and I hope you have stimulated other people to call in where we can talk some more about osteoarthritis. So drive carefully, and thank you for your call. Let's go to Lisa in Ocean Springs, and we'll go to your house if you give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Hey, Lisa. Hey, I was just wondering, could you tell me, is there a correlation between men who have had vasectomies and prostate cancer? No. No? Um, no. No, that's, uh, that is a myth, mythology. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the early studies uh, suggested that might be a problem. And I will look and see if uh, there's anything more recently. But no, uh, that is not a problem. We wouldn't be doing them all the time if if there was. Uh, But prostate cancer is very common. So if you look at people who've had vasectomies and uh, have prostate cancer, uh, they all they've if you've had a vasectomy, Obviously, you've got a prostate because you've you've gotten someone pregnant and prostate is involved in that uh, nurturing sperm. So anybody that's a male, by the time they are autopsied at time of death, usually you can find prostate cancer in at the autopsy. So it's so common, it's been hard to sort this out. But uh, no, I don't know of any convincing science. uh, And so far, I still haven't found it. Uh, so okay. don't have to worry about it. Oh, one more question. And mm-hmm. I didn't ask this when I got screened, but have you ever heard about taking diametitis earth, the food grade, for like a supplement for inflammation? Mm-hmm. And what's your opinion on that? I don't think it works. You That's the same thing as the clay eating. Uh, it, it's it's a, a ramification of eating clay. And a lot of people oh, who get okay. pregnant eat clay mm-hmm. and uh, because I don't know why. They end up with iron deficiency anemia because they do it, uh, yeah. and uh, no, I don't. I don't recommend that because I don't know of any scientific data that shows that it does anything. Okay. Okay. Other make you right, sick at you. your stomach. Okay. Okay. Bye. Right, bye. Hey, we've got open lines, and we'll talk about Earth, Venus, Mars, uh, whatever else you want to talk about. Give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You're going to get an opinion whether you want it or not. 
So uh, here, here you go. Get a chance to get an opinion. It's not going to cost you anything. Dr. Rick, this is the week of the uh, the annual Pearl Pearl High School versus Brandon High School football game. Oh, man. And they call that game the Eat Dirt Game. That's what they've told each other for like decades and decades. Uh-huh. And maybe well, some people took that too literally. Right? I mean, that's true. Uh, yeah. well, who, which one of them eats the dirt? Uh, well, whoever loses eats oh, the I dirt. Got you. Yeah. I got you. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we'll take that as uh, what it's worth. Uh, no, uh, that's a good thing. And I hope somebody wins that game. Let's go to Richland and John. Hey, John. Hey, how are you, Dr. Rick? I'm better since you called. I was getting lonely up here for a while. I was sort of beginning to talk to myself, and that'll get you a psychiatric evaluation. So glad you called. So anyways, uh, so I had asthma as a child, and then that went away. I got better. About two years ago, I developed a chronic cough, and I was diagnosed as having uh, cough variant asthma. And uh, I got on Singulair and Advair, and it magically went away. But about three to four months later, it completely came back. Um, and I tried the, you know, the Advair and the Singulair each together and independently, and they don't seem to make any difference at all. Mm-hmm. I was wondering uh, what would be the next step. I know there are other medicines out there. Is it as simple as that, or is there something more complicated going on? Or? Okay, well, hang on a second. Let me just give you a little bit of background. Um <clears throat> The, a large study was just published in one of our journals showing that uh, somewhere around 50% of people with a diagnosis of asthma didn't have it. They had something else. So the only way that you can diagnose asthma for sure is by doing pulmonary function tests where you blow into a machine. And what you're looking for is improvement in how much air you can blow out in one second after inhaling a bronchodilator like albuterol, something like that. You take two puffs of albuterol uh, and uh, you, you breathe, blow out. You take two puffs of albuterol and you wait 10 minutes or so and then you repeat it. And you should see a 12 to 15% improvement in how much uh, you can blow out in one second. It's called an FEV1, forced expiratory vi- uh, volume in one second. Now, if you don't have that, you don't have asthma, and you can treat it uh, until Venus uh, freezes over, and it won't uh, it won't help. So, did you have pulmonary function test uh, somewhere in your so, diet? Huh? So, I, I, again, I did as a child, and they were positive. You know, I did have the improvement with the bronchodilator, but recently, I really don't have any shortness of breath at all. Um, I, the symptoms are just chest tightness and then a cough, mm-hmm. um, and it. It comes on suddenly. I'll have a proximal cough for about 10, 15 minutes, and then it'll go away. Um, and there's no rhyme or reason to it at all. The only thing that does stimulate it is certain certain smells, cold air, and um, sometimes eating. Um, gotcha. But, uh, but for the most part, it, the only time <clears throat> it's predictable is uh, when I first go to bed at night, and like I said, the certain smells. So it, it does act like reactive airway disease, but like I said, and when I first started the medicine, it worked. I mean, it worked like a charm. It was just like a light switch, but mm-hmm. then it stopped uh, within about three months. Well, you're right. The uh, the uh, reactive airways disease is a condition where there's inflammation in your airway, and it causes cough, uh, chest tightness, uh, and wheeze occasionally. Usually it's primarily cough and chest tightness. Everybody gets that after they have the flu 
or a serious uh, respiratory infection. By the way, we have open lines at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you just picked up, we're talking to John about his asthma treatment that isn't working. Now, there's a different breathing test to diagnose that. It's called a methacholine challenge. And uh, rather than your airways function getting better, if you give somebody with reactive airways disease a methacholine test, it gets worse. And so there's a pulmonary function way to sort out the difference between the two of those. Reactive airways disease almost always responds to an inhaled corticosteroid. And if it doesn't, and we've demonstrated it's there, we will give people a short course of oral steroids uh, to confirm the fact that there's something else going on. Uh, It sounds like you have a history of childhood asthma and now have reactive airways disease, which is exactly what you're saying, and you're not responding to medication. The fact that you did respond before suggests to me that you may have a technique problem with your inhaler. And uh, about 50% of people who are taught to use inhalers uh, can uh, not be taught to use them. They just cannot technically use a meter dose inhaler. Uh, Now, Advair comes in several different ways. The powder, I'm not talking about. So we use spacers for people who are having trouble controlling their asthma. looks like a roll of toilet tissue that you stick your inhaler into. It's more attractive than that. Uh, it's colored uh, and plastic uh, and cleanable. Uh, so so uh, that gives you more time to breathe the stuff in and gets a better distribution. Did you get a meter dose inhaler or one of the powdered Advair things? Yeah, this is the one that looks like a flying saucer. It's purple. It's yeah, yeah. over fifty, and it's a powder. Did they have See, you take? I, I, did they have you take two puffs of albuterol? Uh, or some other bronchodilator before you use the Advair? Uh, I've done it both ways. Um, it doesn't doesn't seem to make a big difference. But, I mean, I just empty my lungs, breathe all the way out, and mm. then I take a long, slow, deep breath That's with perfect. the inhaler. That's perfect. Um, so, uh, so at this point, uh, what comes up is do you have something else that is simulating asthma that isn't? And there are a number of things that can do this. You mentioned one of them is reflux with aspiration of gastric contents into the airways. And this will this is a common problem, and it actually causes reactive airways disease. It's difficult to control because you keep getting the stimulus. And so what I would do is I would call my doctor back. If you haven't been on full-dose uh, treatment with two medicines – a PPI and an uh, antihistamine, ranitidine, and and one of the PPIs, uh, then that would be the next thing I would do. And if that doesn't do it, and you can't figure it out, you need to get to a pulmonary specialist who probably wanted or an allergist who probably want to do a CT of the chest and make something's sure something's not going on with your airway. So that would be my suggestion. And uh, if you want some more information on this, John. Please send me an email. I will uh, send you some uh, patient information information on this. So, but that's the next step, I think. I'm sorry you're having this problem. Uh, let's go to Paul in Natchez. Give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We got plenty of time to take your call today if you have something on your mind. What's going on, Natchez, Paul? Hey, how you doing? 
I think Natchez is one of the most underrated cities in the U.S. Yeah, it's nice and real nice town. You yeah, know. really. People are nice down there, and it's fascinating place historically. What's bothering you? Yeah, I noticed uh, when I wake up in the morning and I get on, you know, on the floor, my heel, my right heel, be hurting me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I talked to some of my friends about the same problem. Then they say they went to a, a doctor and they told them something like a sports injury or something like that, you know. And I don't know where it's coming coming from. Can you tell me what, uh, what you think it is? Yeah, I think it's plantar fasciitis, which is a very common problem. Uh, the bot is when you stick your thumb into the bottom of your heel. Does it hurt like heck in the morning? Yeah, uh-huh. it does. And when you when you walk around for a few minutes, it gets better, but it kills you to walk around. It does. That's You're it. Right. Yeah. Well, plantar fasciitis is a condition where the uh, some of the connective tissue that holds your foot together gets inflamed, and we don't know what the cause of it is. The good news is it almost always goes away within a year, no matter what you do. So your number one objective with this is live at least one year, and it'll get better. Okay. Now, that's not, that's not what you want to hear. Non-steroidal uh, pain medicines uh, don't help much. Uh, there are some socks you can get uh, at, to, to wear at night. Uh, there's this thing called... Um, uh, there are several online places and uh, th- that have these special socks uh, that you can wear that keep your uh, foot flexed at night. Okay. That can be helpful. Um, okay. And uh, but uh, and, and they, there are physical therapists who are also good in helping you with exercises for this. If it gets out of control. Uh, what we do is we inject it with steroids, and that really hurts. Uh, so we don't do that. We have to put a needle into the plantar fascia on the bottom of your foot, which is already tender, and put steroids in there, and that will that will uh, uh, help for a little while. So here's my recommendation. This can be a disabling problem. I think you need to call your doctor. Now, there, some of the physical therapists... Uh, depending on your uh, insurance, will accept your own referral. You don't always have to have a doctor. But this is something I would get on top of right away and see a physical therapist, and he or she uh, has access to all these uh, different devices. You can get that sock at footsmart.com. They have a whole list of appliances for people with... uh, with this problem that are helpful. The other thing I recommend is a very, very thick padded tennis shoe. Um, And uh, the New Balance, they have some of those. Uh, I wear a Hoka, H-O-K-A, and they sell that on that site, footsmart.com and other ones. I have no stock in footsmart.com. Please send me some. I need it. Uh, and uh, there are other sh- other shoe places you can Google that have this, but uh, the that is an especially good one, H-O-K-A, that has an incredibly thick pad. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to tell you is do not go barefooted. That makes the thing even worse. So when you get up in the middle of the night to go potty, put on some shoes, some thick house shoes or something, 
uh, and then switch to these thickly padded uh, tennis shoes. They have some hokas that are dress shoes too. They're really expensive, but if you wait till they put them on sale, they're 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 possible. So that's what you got. And if you want me to send you an info sheet on uh, plantar fasciitis, I have one, and I'll be ha- happy to send it to you if you'll send us an email. And Paul, I hope uh, I hope that gets better. Uh, sometimes I try uh, try to use Voltaren gel on this, and it seems to work. Uh, I was not very. Uh, I thought this was sort of a minor thing until I had it. <laughs> no, it's not a minor thing. It, it's really painful. Let's go to Sue in Beaumont. Hey, Sue. Hi. How are you, Jay? I'm better since you called. <laughs> I, I'm an old RN, and back in the day, we used to hear about ceritic arthritis and uh, tubercular arthritis, but I never hear that mentioned anymore. And I, I wondered if those maladies are extinct now. Okay, that's a good question. No. Uh, they're not. Actually, Mississippi has the highest rate of syphilis uh, per capita, I think, in the U.S. now. Syphilis is a, is an infection, as you know, uh, with sexually acquired infection uh, that folks get. It has a whole bunch of different uh, problems with it, the biggest of which we worry about is neurosyphilis. It involves the brain, but it can have this charco joint type of arthritis that occurs from the numbness you get in your lower extremities. And so that's still around, but it's unusual. Tuberculosis we, uh, arthritis we used to see all the time, especially in the spine where we called it Potts disease. Uh, it ate a hole in your spine. And since we usually diagnose tuberculosis early, uh, we don't see that very much. I had a patient with it a couple of years ago, which was the first patient I'd had in five or six years, and uh, came in with terrible low back pain, and we got pictures, and we saw this mass back there and um, worked her up for TB, and she had TB, and we fixed it. So uh, it's pretty much gone, gone as well, but Mississippi has a very high rate of tuberculosis. So when we have people who do not get regular health care, do not have access to regular he- health care, by the way, this is the... Obamacare sign-up week. Uh, you only got six weeks to do it if you're doing it. If you don't have any other way to get health care, it's a good option because there's nothing else out there. Um, it, people who don't get health care and don't get regular examinations uh, end up with these kinds of chronic diseases. So, you know, you need to get your TB skin test, and now we have a blood test for it. And if you're sexually active, you need to uh, be checked for syphilis and gonorrhea uh, and other sexually acquired disease. We have an epidemic uh, of papillomavirus, which causes uh, cancer uh, of the genital, female genital tract, and now it's associated with an epidemic of oral cancer in men. So uh, we're trying to get everybody immunized, all males and females, before they come into puberty, should be immunized with papillomavirus to prevent um uh, cancer uh, of the ge- female genital tract and in the male uh, oral, oral pharyngeal cancer. Boy, that's a lot, Sue. Thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Let's go to Vicksburg and Lana. Hey, hey, Lana. Hey. What's happening? I have a, I have a 
have a question. I have lupus, and it's caused me to have interstitial lung disease. Yes, ma'am. And I wanted to know, is it common to have um, chest pain during cold weather? Okay. So um, you you have uh, seen a rheumatologist and your own treatment for your lupus, right? Correct. And what is the treatment? Um, I'm taking Benlista. It's an infusion. Mm-hmm. And um, Plaquenil. Plaquenil. Okay, so you're on what's called a biologic, and that uh, turns off your immune response. And then Plaquenil, which is a magic medicine that was originally used to treat leprosy, but they found it worked uh, worked in people who had leprosy and lupus and started using it in lupus, and now we use it in rheumatoid arthritis. It really has very few side effects and is a very, very helpful uh, drug. So uh, what we worry about with people with lupus that have lung disease is they are at risk for getting pleurisy, and that's a catchy chest pain when you take a deep breath, just from the lupus. And when they're on a biologic, they're at risk for getting an infection in the lung and elsewhere. So that is, if you're having that and it's a new finding, then you need to let your rheumatologist know about it because uh, he needs he or she needs to check your SED rate and your CRP and probably listen to you and get a chest X-ray if that hasn't been done recently. People with interstitial lung disease, usually uh, their primary symptom is shortness of breath. They don't have a lot of chest pain. So I think okay. that's an alarm sign, and you need to call the doctor and let him know. It's probably nothing, but if it's something, it's serious. So I, I'd at least check in, Okay. Okay, great. Thank you so all much. Right, good to talk to you, and all the best. Let's go to Sasha. Did I get that right, Jay? Hey, man, I'm getting better. I've only been here 20 years, and I finally learned how to say it. Hey, oh, the Sasha. I didn't learn how to say it. Hey, Cheryl, yeah. do you know where you live? Yes, yeah, Sasha, Mississippi. Oh, okay, good. You got me straight now. Yeah, they call it Sasha. I'm not getting into the city limits of Shosher because I've mispronounced it so long. They have a wanted dead or alive poster on there. Lord have mercy. Up there for me. What's going on with you? I had surgery done in September at the very first of September on L4 and L5, and they put a cage in to get off my sciatic nerve. Yes, ma'am. Now I'm noticing on my left side of my rectum is looser. I guess that's the best way to say it's not as tight uh-huh it would that it hangs out a little bit yes especially when you have a stool yes yeah you have rectal pro- prolapse there's a name for that okay. rectal prolapse oh, wow. and what that just means your rectum hangs out okay okay and uh we see this do it before i mean yeah yeah well i i don't know whether it was related to your surgery or not usually okay. it, it is not uh, it is a very common uh, problem in older people who have irritable bowel syndrome and chronic constipation. Okay. And what happens is, uh, you know, women that have uh, had a lot of kids get uh, vaginal, uh, they get uterine pro- prolapse. The well, uterus starts falling out. I had out. a sister that had that. Yeah, okay. Well, this is the same difference. It's just a pelvic floor abnormality that is, is an age and stress-related thing. Now, the recommendation on rectal prolapse, once the diagnosis is confirmed, 
and it requires a rectal exam, obviously, um, and you need to be up on your colonoscopy. If all that's okay, the recommendation is as long as it does not uh, cause discomfort or hang out further uh, uh, where it, you know, it's, it's stuck, you can't put it back up in there, uh, then we usually don't do surgery. Used to be you had to have abdominal surgery for this now, but there are places where you can have this repaired endoscopically, uh, and it, and the outcome is just as good as opening somebody up and uh, making you stay in bed for weeks. So um, that's what you got. Uh, I would let uh, someone confirm it, uh, and it's not going to be your back surgeon. It's going to have to be a general surgeon or a colorectal surgeon or your primary care doctor um, can confirm this for you. And the big thing that I would suggest to keep it from getting any worse is to make sure you are not straining at the stool. Just about everybody that I have that has this, uh, I try to get them to use a stool softener where they stay on the toilet as short as possible uh, having a bowel movement. And I'm not talking about getting a diarrhea stool. That'll make it worse. Uh, but soften up your stool by drinking plenty of water. And you can get Colace, C-O-L-A-S-E, which is uh, uh, a stool softener that's basically just uh, softens the stool and makes it pass easier over the counter. Your pharmacist can help you find it. It's Mark's stool softener, usually generic. Follow the directions. Is that what you needed, Cheryl? Because I, I, was, I was freaking out because I, was, I didn't know this before. I know, I know. Yeah, I it like, is scary. It's scary when you wipe. I got you. I got you when you wipe yourself and all of a sudden there's something foreign down there. It freaks yeah. you out. Yeah. yeah, yeah I know. It's never been there before. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what it is, and I just hope it doesn't get any worse. You don't need any more surgery. How's your back doing? Awesome. Good. Uh, no more sciatic pain. Oh. At least something oh, worked. Lord, okay, I'm gonna tell you that cage that took me because I was in I was I was on bone on bone. Oh my goodness! And so this took it off, and so I mean I do not feel that sciatic nerve pain. Well, you're blessed with that one. Let's just hope you take care of this other one. Well, trust me, that's my next little thing right now. And tell those people to take that sign down where I can drive back into Sawshare. Okay. All right. People don't shoot him. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I don't duck easily, so please don't. Yeah. <laughs> you have a blessed day. Thank Thanks you so much. for your call. Hey, we have open lines, and we love to talk about your ache and pain or whatever other complaint you have. You can complain about me or our producer, Jay White, whoever you want to complain about. Give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We've got a lot of open lines right now, and it's a good time to check in about your problem. You may have things you found that shouldn't be there, too. We'll tell you what they are. Let's go to George and Jackson. Hey, George. Hello. What's on your mind? Well, I've got a solution you might want to consider with fantasiasis, and you might not have to wait for that stock to come from the shoe company. Okay. What, what's yours? Uh, find an old, uh, not your shoe, but whatever that shoe is that everybody used to have uh that, that had holes all in it. Uh, had holes? Uh, anyway, it's a, well. Is it a leather shoe or a tennis no, shoe? it's a rubber shoe that uh, used to be very popular, and kids still wear them some. But anyway, it has holes Are in it. Are you talking about Crocs? Yes. Okay, Crocs. Okay. Crocs. 
Does that uh, help? Because they kill my get, feet. Get a long piece of cord and a belt. That's your medicine. Wait a second. How you use that? Uh, if you put the cord through the toe of the shoe, uh-huh. back to your belt, and sleep with it also. But then you can hike it every during the night if you need to put a little more pressure on it. You retie the cord. I use a piece of electrical cord. Where'd you learn that? Uh, I just learned it. You are very smart. Well, that does exactly what that sock is supposed to do, but it does it better uh, as long as you don't wake up in the middle of the night and trip over it and kill yourself. But that is flexing. It's tied to your body, so I don't I got Well, I don't know. Uh, 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 the, the, that is flexing your foot. Okay. And that puts some pressure on the plantar fascia on your heel. And that's what that sock does, but you're getting, there are actually are devices, plastic splints that you wear on your feet at night that do what you're saying, but they cost a lot of money. So you came up with a really good solution. So uh, why don't you and I talk sometime and we can patent that, and then I can retire. How would that okay. be? Okay, why don't you do the patent and just send me a dollar bill every month? Okay, well, I'll work on it. Thank you for your call, George. Have a great day. Let's go to Columbus and Maxine. Hey, Maxine. Hi, Dr. Rick. I'm sorry I said that. I have a great day thing. That drives me crazy when people say that. And usually they say it about 9 o'clock at night when you're checking out at the grocery store. Have a great day. And I'll say... Which day are you talking about? This one's over. Uh, what's on your mind? What's on my mind is that um, last year, on February 1st, I was diagnosed with aggressive breast cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. And I've gone through all of my chemotherapy with UAB. Yep. And I was taking off everything back in 89. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. I started out with Plaquenil. Dr. Rick, I've been through everything. My last medication was my infusion which was symphony, and I was on Zelzine. So while I'm going through this process with this breast cancer and this treatment, I was taken off of everything. Mm-hmm. Now I'm on Rituxan, mm-hmm. and I'm still taking steroids, prednisone, mm-hmm. 20 milligrams every day. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't so, be having any rheumatoid arthritis on Rituxan and steroids. Are you having any symptoms? Yes, sir, because I've... I'm with the neurologist um, with Parkinson on one side. It's still on his mouth. I'm just with. Okay, let's let's see if we get let's see if we can parse this I'm, out. I'm having I'm having a lot of side effects with nausea, but I'm not on chemotherapy, and then, and it's more major than when I was on the chemotherapy. Is your is your breast cancer therapy finished? Yes, I just. To have my checkup and see my oncologist from time to time. All right. All right. So uh, it's time to regroup on your medicine. Uh, Rituxan is actually one of the medicines we use <clears throat> to treat people with rheumatoid arthritis that have failed the usual treatments. I have several people on that myself, and uh, we save it for the people with the most resistant uh, type of rheumatoid arthritis. So you have actually, the reason your cancer doctor didn't add something on there is you were on something that should have controlled your arthritis. I think it's time for you to go back to your rheumatologist uh, or whoever's treating your rheumatoid arthritis. And, I'm, I'm, I'm with my rheumatologist okay. in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Now, did, did you tell that person your symptoms? Because some of your symptoms don't sound 
like rheumatoid arthritis, they sound like complications of the drugs you got for your breast cancer treatment. You see I, what I mean? Yes, I did. Do you have morning stiffness for more than 30 minutes a day? Uh, no. Not okay, well, then you probably don't have active rheumatoid arthritis. If you don't have morning stiffness for more than 30 minutes and you have a normal sedimentation rate on your blood test, your rheumatoid arthritis is probably in remission, and the symptoms you're having are coming from some of your other drugs or other problems. So you need to pin your rheumatologist down and, and, and go in, make a list of each of the complaints that you have. Go in with a list of, you know, this hurts, that hurts, this is numb, yeah. this is stinging. And, and prioritize those and say, look, here are my problems. Is this your, your area or do I need to see somebody else? It sounds like you're seeing a neurologist too, right? I'm seeing a neurologist for Parkinson on one side. And uh, and with everything that I've gone through, I'm set up. I've got a cataract. I've, my eyes have always been real good. And that's what I'm saying, the rheumatoid arthritis. I've been through the steroid shot. I've been through all, Remicade, uh, you name it. I've been through all of them. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pin them down with all of these different medications that I'm on because I'm, I'm really not having inflammation, but I'm saying, well, it's the 20, 20 milligrams of prednisone that I'm taking every day. Well, you need to get off of that. that that'll kill you. I've been on it a long time. Oh, uh, yeah. See, that's why we don't that that where the prednisone is toxic. Yeah. And that's why we they came up with Remicade and all this other stuff uh, to get people off of it, because the the um, arthritis associated with chronic steroid use, which is a, an aggressive form of uh, osteoporosis uh, with collapse of joints, is actually worse to deal with than rheumatoid arthritis. So you you probably got some degenerative arthritis that needs a tune-up, but I think make that list, go in and say, now, who should be taking care of this problem and who should be taking care of that problem and try to get this sorted out and don't get discouraged because uh, good Lord's looking after you. You've had two major uh, illnesses and you're still moving. So keep moving and uh, keep pushing because there's a treatment for just about everything out there. And if you don't get what you need, go back to UAB, to your oncologist, and get uh, a second opinion at UAB because it's a good place. Okay? Thank you, sir. All right. Bye-bye. I must have a disclaimer here. My daughter is an oncologist at UAB, so uh, I do have a jaundiced uh, thing about that because I really like UAB. I'm a UAB graduate. We have a great cancer center here she could come to, too, at at, uh, Ole Miss. Hey, David, what's going on in Tupelo? Oh, uh, Doc, thanks for taking my call. Um, Thank you for calling. I've got a problem I've had for just almost a year now. Um, I'm a runner. I run in the early morning. I usually run four, five, six miles in the morning. My hamstrings mm-hmm. started hurting about a year ago, mm-hmm. and um, I, I, I just totally laid off running for a month, and it didn't help at all. I went to a chiropractor. Uh, he tried all kinds of things. That didn't help. Um, now, it, I mean, they hurt, but it's not I – can, I can run now because they don't hurt as much, but they still hurt. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's strange. Um, I, I'm not on any medications at all. 
uh, I, I do stretch. I mean, I you know, I, after after a run, I'll come in and and uh, you know stretch my calves, stretch my hamstrings. You know, uh, do you know do stretches? All right. And I I can't figure out why. Okay. Well, let me just give you some ideas because I I see a lot of this. Okay. And uh, hang on, and I'll come back to you. So uh, problems with hamstrings uh, uh, come from overuse syndromes, any any kinds of muscles and tendons that you use more than they can bear for genetic reasons will flare up and give you problems. So uh, the things that – so not using them for a while was the appropriate thing to do, and uh, and I compliment you for that because some runners refuse to do it. <clears throat> what What I would suggest that you do – is either start with a um, a sports medicine clinic. Uh, there's one in Tupelo. There's one at UMC. Uh, just about every place has one. Uh, and get a physical, or if it's easier for you, just get an appointment with a uh, physical therapist. You need your legs measured uh, to make sure you don't have a leg disparity, leg length disparity. You need your foot check to make sure you are not pronating and you don't need an orthotic. Uh, Most of the problems related to uh, onset of this problem are related to some orthopedic or rheumatic issue in your lower extremity. And more often than not, uh, it's something wrong with your shoes because your feet have changed. People don't realize that your your shoe your foot is constantly getting larger as you get older and we don't change foot sizes we don't get a wide toe box we don't provide additional uh support for our uh feet and uh hoka actually is one of the uh, shoe brands that we recommend for runners who are having hamstring problems but i would go to a physical therapist and or a sports medicine clinic hooked up with a physical therapist and have this evaluated and uh, and because uh, it's going to recur if you don't. And I think there's probably something fixable that's been missed. Is that helpful, David? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I've changed shoes. That didn't seem to help. you know, so uh, but but even after laying off running for a month, it it still hurt, and in fact, it hurt as bad after the end of the month as it did, you know, before. Well, you need uh, somebody to confirm the diagnosis. Sometimes self diagnoses aren't totally correct. You may have some focal tendonitis or something else, but at the very least, I would see a licensed physical therapist. They they take care of runners all the time. And uh, and get an evaluation to make sure you're not missing something. Your insurance will pay for this, and uh, they may have some ideas that really help. I had this problem. I have every problem just about, and got some help uh, with that. It really made a difference. And I actually had flat feet that I had not a- adequately uh, corrected and was pronating, and that was causing a lot of the problem, not only there but in my knees. So... Uh, hamstrings and knees, and that got a lot better. And I started swimming, but that's another issue. That's a good way to deal with this problem as well, is to is alternate swimming with it. But sometimes that's not easy to do. Uh, and if you need some more info, send me an email at org 
and I promise I'll send you a patient information sheet. Let's go to Port Gibson and Brenda. Hey, Brenda. Hi. What's going Hi. on? Okay. My dad, um, he had a spot on his lung back in January. Yep. And he had since uh, got larger. Mm-hmm. And they want to do a, a biopsy where they put him up in a scan instead of sticking him with the needle and all that. Right. And um, he's very concerned about it. Um, is there... I've, I've heard that this is bigger over time that it's positively cancer. Is that correct? No, it's not positively cancer. Uh, that's why they do the biopsy. Um, okay. the, but the, there is a significant risk. Is he a smoker? Smoker, but he did. Uh, he does have history of working with asbestos uh, years ago. Uh, well, so does just about everybody in Mississippi. It was it lived in World War Two. Um, well, the the if he's not a smoker, that really decreases his risk. And uh, if you have asbestos significant exposure, you can usually see that on a chest X-ray because you get these little calcified places in your diaphragms that show up. So uh, there is a since he's a non-smoker, there is a, a, even more of a chance that this is a fungal infection or uh, some other infectious process. Uh, this uh, done by an experienced person, usually an interventional radiologist or pulmonary person. This is a fairly low-risk low procedure, and I definitely would encourage him to have that done because if it is malignant, it could be removed, and maybe that would be the end of it. I'm sorry I didn't get to Greenville. Uh, Chris, if you'll send me an email, I promise I'll respond. Thanks for joining us for Southern Remedy, a production of uh, NPB Radio. Uh, assisted by a grant from unrestricted grant from University of Mississippi Medical Center. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo with our uh, producer, Jay Wright. It's been white. It is great. And our call screener. And it's been great to have you with us today. Look forward to seeing you again next week. Same time, same place. Put us on your calendar and we'll see you then. Have a good rest of the week. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.